Um, how many remember this morning that uh, Jay Stone King had suggested that we read uh, the 12th chapter of Hebrews? Anybody remember that this morning? Now, I'm going to let you guess what book and what chapter I'm going to talk out of tonight. One guess. 12th chapter of Hebrews. God is good, isn't He? Alright. We're going to go to the 12th chapter and we're starting in uh, verse 14. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. We're going to move down to now verse 18. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of the righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks of a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we, if we in turn turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing all what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably and with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just appreciate your word, Lord. We just thank you so much for it. But we ask you now, though, that as we speak of your word, we talk of you, Lord, everything that we say, everything I say, Lord, is acceptable in your sight. Pray now that, Lord, that as we meditate on these things and come together, Lord, that you bless this time we have together. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the book of Hebrews is like a book of comparisons. And many theologians will say that it actually was a sermon. Um, and the purpose of this sermon or this uh, of the book was really it was directed at the Jews in Palestine because some of them were thinking about going back to the Old Covenant because of persecution. And so the writer here, and you'll notice there's a, there's a, there's a word in here that's kind of a theme of, the, of it, and it's the word better. If we look in chapter 1, uh, it says the key, it says, Jesus is better than the angels. In chapter 3, it's, uh, it tells us that Jesus was better than Moses. We know that Moses was a servant in God's house, or Jesus was the son over God's house. Also, 
We see better things were expected of Christians in Hebrews 6. In, in Hebrews 7, Melchizedek was better than Abraham. Jesus is the mediator of a better covenant which was based upon a better promise, we see in Hebrews 11. And then the great heroes of our faith, also in, uh, in Hebrews 11, the great hope of our faith, uh, the great heroes of our faith look for a better country and a better resurrection. Now, the book of Hebrews also uh, quotes a lot out of the Old Testament. In fact, in the New Testament, the Old Testament is quoted 855 times. 249 times it's quoted in Revelation, so that's over a quarter of the times. Second, coming in second is Matthew at 96, and then Hebrews at uh, 86, and then Romans 74 times, which is more than half of the quotations of the Old Testament are in those four books. But Hebrews 8, 8 through 12, is the longest quote from the Old Testament found in the New Testament. And we're going to see shortly why, why the significance of that. Hebrews 12, it talks about, it's so interesting because we heard this this morning, it talks about the race that was marked out for us. And it talks about the, the, um, to finish this race that we have to be fixed on Jesus Christ, that the, the author and the finisher of our faith. And God in this book is treating us as sons. And he tells us not to be discouraged when he has to discipline us. And then it also talks about warning us about refusing God. We're going to look at uh, four areas um, in the scripture that point to a better way. Following holiness, a fearful encounter, this is going back to the Old Testament, a faithful mediator, and then future, uh, future judgment. Okay. Follow holiness. Um, it says in 14, it says, Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy without holiness no one will see the Lord. Let's look at that first part. Pursue peace. Now, when it talks about pursuing peace, it says everyone. Is that Christians only? That's everybody, right? We're supposed to pursue peace with everyone. Well, what about Christians? One of my favorite verses in the Bible is in uh, John 17. And listen to what it says here in verse 20 and 21. Neither I pray for these alone, but for them which shall believe on me through their word. Who's he praying for? Huh? He's praying for us. Isn't that cool? I think that's so cool. God is praying for us. When I see 17, I was thinking, here's God. I mean, he's about to be crucified. You know, he's going to go to be crucified. And he's praying for us. Now, he says here, after that, he says that, I have that underlined, that they may all be one. What's God praying for? Unity. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is praying to the Father for unity. How, how, do you, how much important should that be to us then? Huge. Are we all unified as brothers and Christians? I'm not talking even outside our church. Inside our church, do we have issues with unity sometimes? Big time. This is huge. When the Son of God is praised to the Father about unity, that's pretty important. And this is what he says why. Okay, that, that part's important, right? That they may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee. Again, 
that they also may, may be one in us. So the word together, we're one with the Father, right? He said, that's important. And then he says again, that, why is the reason that that is important? That the world may believe that thou has sent me. That, that is that important. He says, all this is done so that you, they see you and me, and then there's the same way, like-minded. What reason for is this? So that the world can believe that I did that. If somebody comes in here and sees disunity in this church, and they're not going, how hard is it, even harder for them to believe that God sent us to deliver His message. It's going to be hard to, for them to believe that, isn't it? So what God's saying. He says, it's the reason. He says, so that they'll believe this. You know, the world's watching us. And we have to pay attention to that. Well, the other second part of this, I can do this, follow holiness. Holiness. Okay. What's holiness? Sanctification. Does anybody know what that term? Sanctification? Come on, people in my class I know because a lot of us came out of that. Sanctified means what? Thank you. Set apart for God's use. Right? We're supposed to be set... The Hebrews as a people were supposed to be set apart so people could understand who God is. Likewise, as believers in Jesus Christ, we're supposed to be set apart Sanctified for God's use. And we, this morning we talked about how important it was to be holy. Let me ask you a question. Which is easier to say? I am a Christian saved by grace or I am a holy saint of God. Which do you feel more comfortable saying to somebody? The first one, right? Come on, let's be honest. The first one. Everybody's kind of like, the first one. Well, let's look at both of those, right? We can turn to, boy, I think I hope I have my glasses. Oh, get there. All right, Ephesians. I got a good crowd here tonight, I can tell. That's good. All right, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For it is by grace... You have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So, yes, the first one's true, right? It's true. But what about the next one? 1 Peter 1.15 But just as He called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. So we're to be holy saints of God, right? Now, we sound like brighter than I'm a holy saint of God. But that's who we're supposed to be. So, both of these are true. It is just easier to say. So, it gives us almost, sometimes people use that as a license. Well, I'm just a Christian saved by grace. So, I can get away. I'm like the Corinthians, you know. I can just get away with murder because the more I do, the more grace I'm going to get. You know, that's all I am. But God calls us to be holy. This is what he says here now in 15. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. All right. Now let's... Another question. What does grace mean? Who said that? 
here's a treat for you. All right. Unmerited favor. That's right. Unmerited favor. Got it right. Now everybody's going to be jumping at answers. See? This is all you need to do, Ron. You want answers. All you got to do is hand out candy, you know? Although that's kind of a cough drop. But anyway, um, and I know Ron's got extras, so if I run out. All right. But yeah, it's unmerited favor, right? Well, how can you miss it if it's unmerited favor? How do we miss it? And he says, be sure that no one misses unmerited favor. God gives grace. It's available to who? Everyone. So how do we miss it? We don't accept it, right? We don't accept it. Turn away from it. Some people just will not avail themselves of it. And then the party says, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble or defile many. Again, this is, we can look at this in both sides. What he was talking to the uh, Jewish church, the Jews in Palestine saying, hey, watch who's among you. You know, be careful that no bitter root grows up among you people. Likewise, that can happen here too, right? People turn away. They, they fall away from God. They become bitter. And, and they become bitter because their focus is not what? On Jesus Christ. Yeah, their focus is not on Jesus Christ. They're not living holy and so that bitterness has come in Deuteronomy 29.18. It says, Make sure that there is no man or woman or tribe among you today whose heart turns away from the Lord our God to go and worship the gods of those nations. Make sure that there is no root among you that produces such bitter poison. And that's exactly what it is. It becomes a poison. And the Israelites were being warned about falling back into that very idolatry from which they escaped. They said, If we fall away... You know, we can affect others. God warns us about bitterness. Bitterness hardens the heart. But there's a better way to live. Fearful encounter. You have not come to the mountain that you have that can be touched, that is burning with fire, so darkness, gloom, and storm to the trumpet blast. Or to such a voice speaking the words of that those who heard it beg no further word to be spoken to them, because they could not bear what was being commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. So the writer of Hebrews is speaking to these Medianic Jews, and he's saying, You didn't experience you're Christian, you didn't experience what these guys experienced. And this was Mount Sinai when the people, when uh, Moses brings the people to Mount Sinai. You remember, they had to, uh, they had to be uh, cleansed, ceremonial cleansed. All their clothes had to be washed in preparation to go meet God. Now, God comes down in this manifestation of smoke and clouds and fire. And, I mean, think about this at this time. These people were petrified. And they were scared to death. Because they're going to meet God. In fact, his voice, the trump, can you imagine the trumpet blaring so loud and the voice of God so much that you would say, I don't want to hear from him? They were begging Moses, say, look, we'll talk to you. You talk to God. We don't want to hear from him anymore because it's that frightening. Can you imagine if all of us as Christians would have to go to the bottom of Grandview Hill? Don't touch it. Don't let your dog jump on there. He has to be stoned. I mean... I can't even imagine. When I, when I start thinking about these kind of things in the Old Testament, sometimes we read over this stuff. We don't really look at it. We don't really let it sink into us. 
that here's these people saying, I don't want to hear from God. That's how much awe and fear they had. And he says, even Moses, you know, even Moses said the sight was so terrible that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. So imagine how much the rest of the people, because they say, you're God's guy. Well, if you're God's guy, how do you think we're going to feel? They're petrified beyond belief. Well, here's what they got to encounter. We have the faithful mediator, right? In Hebrews 22... Read this. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels uh, in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of the righteous men made perfect. We have come to Mount Zion. We sing that song. Coming to Zion, Zion, the beautiful city of God. You know that song? We sing that, and sometimes we don't think about it, Right? But we get to go to the heaven. We're not waiting down here or some, or some mountain that's on earth. The veil's been ripped open. We get to go boldly before the king where thousands of angels are assembled. Do we have that awe? Do we have that fear that we come before God? Now, when we go there and we come before, when we come before God and we see this and we're able to do this type of thing, uh, come right before God... The writer of Hebrews is telling him, you have such a better situation than what they had. It's better. He said, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks of a better word than the blood of Abel. He says, now why would he put that into the blood of Abel? Who was Abel? Yeah, we know who Abel was. And so, and Abel was the good guy, right? But Abel's blood saves who? No one. Only Jesus Christ, right? So here's, like I said, here's this comparison again. He said, this new covenant was established through his death. And now, not this mountain that we can't touch or we'd be destroyed. We get to go to Zion, which opened up where all these angels sit. I mean, that's amazing to me that we get to do that before Almighty God in His kingdom that we're able to step in front of God like that. But guess what? God sees us differently. He wouldn't let those people touch it because Jesus Christ wasn't there. That was holy ground. They could not be clean enough. When we say the word mediator, what does that mean to you? Mediator. All right, speak up. (laughs) Yeah, go between. Right? Let's Let's go between. We see that in sports and everything else. Somebody that is going to go between two different parties and bring them together. Correct? Well, in this mediator, God gets to dictate, right? Right off the bat, He says, you've got to be perfect. You've got to be holy. You've got to be spotless. That's the only way you're coming. No choice. And I'm saying, I want to go to heaven. I can't do that. We tried. I mean, this, this was the old covenant. We couldn't make it under the old covenant. All the old covenant did was really point to Jesus Christ. Right? That's the purpose of the Old Covenant. I can't do it. So what does uh, God do? He sends His mediator. And Jesus Christ's blood tears the veil, right? 
Now the heavenly is open to those that believe in Jesus Christ. We can come boldly before Him. Can you imagine? We come boldly before the throne and we're standing there in front of God and we are justified by our faith in Jesus Christ. You know, Abraham was justified through his faith. We are likewise justified through our faith in Jesus Christ. We step in front of I, I, I This is a bad illustration, but you think of the Wizard of Oz. You know, the guy behind the curtain. And he's screaming, don't look at the guy behind the curtain. You know, we, we, they're able to finally come and actually be there. And there's like, who are you? Remember, that's what the guy was yelling. Who are you? You know, trembling. I get to say, I'm an heir. What? I'm an heir. Not because of me, but because of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ says, yes, I know him. He's good. You know? You ever, they have, you ever, uh, I've heard this story about someone going, trying to get to heaven. They get to the pearly gates and there's, Peter, he's standing there. It's always a story. Peter's there. And the, and the guy says, I, I want to get in heaven. He says, well, you know, we got a point system here. Point system. Maybe some of you have heard this. He said, yeah, what you got to do is you got to earn a thousand points and then you can enter heaven. So tell me about your life and we'll see where you stack up. The guy goes, I'll tell you one thing. He said, I, I was at church every Sunday unless I was sick. Or out of time for some reason. When I was out of town, I went to church there. Because not only that, I, I made sure all my kids went to church. And, and when they had pack a pew Sunday, I had I always won. I would get people in, and he says, "That's great. That's one." He goes, "What?" He said, "Tell me some more." He goes, well, "I tell you what." He goes, I, "I was a good person." He said, "I would help my family's neighbors. I gave to the poor. Everything I did uh, was." For God, I would do all these things, and he said, and you know, I never cheated on anybody. Every contract I honored, even a handshake, it was all good. He said, "That's two. He's like, two? Only by the grace of God am I going to get there." He goes, "That's nine ninety-eight. You're in." And actually, that's not true because all one thousand points come through the grace of God, right? There's nothing we can do to earn heaven. But the point is, is that Jesus mediates this and we get the better deal. We get a better covenant. We talked about uh, the longest uh, Old Testament quote in the New Testament in Hebrews 8, 8, 12. It actually comes from Jeremiah. And Jeremiah 31. I'm going to read this. 31, 31 to 34. Back with the glasses. The timing, the time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them out of the land of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. And after that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will, they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. That's the longest quotation in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And what's God telling? What's he he saying here in Jeremiah? He's talking about the new covenant that we're going to experience that God is going to bring. And he brings it to us now, then we get an opportunity to do this. And he says, 
um, you know, part of this is also speaking to them about the millennium because you're talking about when these Jews come back, every, in all of us, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ, nobody's going to have to tell anybody who Jesus Christ is, are they? They're going to know who He is when He comes back the second time. But He's saying that new covenant He's talking about, that was mediated through Jesus Christ. God has written His law on our hearts. If you believe in Christ and you understand who He is, you don't need a set of rules that you got to step every day, do you? Because you are to be holy. You are to be set apart for God. If you are seeking Jesus Christ, you're going to do that. Are we going to stumble? Are we going to sin once in a while? Absolutely. But remember, that sin's covered. Even the sins we haven't committed yet, right? If our heart and mind is on Jesus Christ, and that's who are saved, and we confess Him, what does He say? We shall be saved. Right? So we are heirs with Him, and join heirs with Jesus Christ. We follow Christ and we know Him. And more importantly, He knows us. And so when we get before an Almighty God, He's going to know who we are. Future judgment. See to it that you do not refuse Him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused Him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from heaven? Him who speaks is the Lord. Alright? Who's the one that spoke on earth? He's talking about here. So I'm back. Moses. That's what he's talking about. If they didn't believe then, he goes, if you think there's trouble there, he says, if they did not escape when they refused him, if you remember back in the Old Testament and, uh, Moses came down and the people had the golden calf and all that was happening and then, uh, he picked out the Levites and they went between in the camp, right? And what happened? He wiped out a bunch of people. Because you've got to remember something too. We automatically think that all these people in Egypt were automatically following God and praying to God every day. They had a mixture of people. That's kind of like people that call themselves Christian here because their families are Christian and they tend to a church one day, but they've never confessed Jesus Christ, Right? And that's the same. It's kind of that situation there. You know, there's a lot of people when they get there, they weren't, they didn't really think about God. They were like, look, I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing. Moses sent those Levites through and they just wiped them out. He said, if they didn't escape, how much more do you think we're going to escape? You know, if we don't listen to Jesus Christ, if we refuse Him, They went to the, like I said, Moses did this. We talk, uh, we've heard this many times. There are no grandchildren, right, in the house of the Lord. We said sons and daughters only, right? Um, and you can, if I read in Jeremiah, I'm going to go back to Jeremiah 31. This is, this is really interesting. 31:29, right before what I read before. In those days, people will no longer say, the fathers had eaten grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. Instead, everyone will die for his own sin. Whoever eats sour grapes, his own teeth will be set on edge. Meaning numb. So I, I eat numb, I eat grapes and my children's teeth go numb, you know? And back in the days, they were complaining that, hey, my forefathers did these things and I'm suffering the, what's happening because of what my fathers did. 
Now, we all suffer because of original sin, right? We're going through this process because of original sin. But likewise, if you look on the converse side of it, yes, you also don't get to go to heaven because your parents confess Jesus Christ. Right? So it works both ways. We have to know Jesus Christ personally. So for the Jews who read this epistle and decided that they wanted to go back to the old covenant, you know, that, that repeated everything that Christ had done on the cross, his death, his resurrection, which is really the very heart of the gospel. If we look at uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, right there. What's it say? Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you have received, on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly on the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. First thing. So Paul reminds the Corinthians, just like Hebrews is reminding these Jews who they are in Jesus Christ. If we don't hold on and continue to believe and we fall away from Jesus Christ, then what we believed before was in vain for us. First important, the gospel. And then we go to 26. I guess I should have had that up because you could read along. You guys have your Bibles. 26. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he was, has promised, Once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate that removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken... Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably and with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. So when God came down to Mount Sinai, His voice shook the earth. Now He's saying when Christ comes back, not just the earth is going to be shaken, but heaven and earth is going to be shaken. And like we said, every knee will bow, every tongue confess. We will receive a kingdom that can't be shaken. He says, therefore, let us be thankful and so worship God with reverence and awe. Doesn't it, doesn't it really seem that we have lost that reverence and awe for God? You know? We've heard it so many times, you know, he's our, Jesus is my buddy, he's my co-pilot. He is God of the universe. He is Almighty God. He always was Almighty God. That was that same voice that shook the earth, that the people petrified. God doesn't change. He's that same God that deserves awe and reverence. He doesn't deserve for us to talk to Him or about Him like this. Does He love us like a father who scoops us up? Absolutely. But He is God Almighty. And we can't forget that. We cannot forget to come to Him with reverence and awe. The veil's ripped open, that's fine, but you don't step up and say, let me tell you how it's going to be. Don't you dare. Don't we dare do that. That's God Almighty. That's that same God. And He touched that mountain. And if it wasn't for Jesus Christ, the same thing would happen to us. 
We wouldn't have stepped on that mountain and said, I'm going to go up that mountain and tell God what, what's for. Yeah, all right, you won't get one step. That's the same God. We separate them sometimes. Well, this is the new Jesus, and he's different. Jesus doesn't change. Oh, yeah, he loves us so much that he spilled his own blood for us. He gave everything because we couldn't get there. He's that mediator because we couldn't do it for ourselves. That's how much he loves us. He's God Almighty. God loves us with an ever-lending love. He has made us joint heirs with Christ. He requires us to be holy. We were bought with a price. You were set apart for God's purpose. You were sanctified. Don't let people miss God's grace. How important it is for us to talk to other people about Jesus Christ. Remember, that's what he said. He said, I did this so that other people will see and know that I'm God. So that's why I want this unity. That's why it's so important that we are unified as a church here in the body of Christ. God prayed for that so that we can be unified together so that other people can see who Jesus Christ is. Because this was His plan to allow us to do that. He, he, I think Dave said we got an opportunity to serve Jesus Christ. That's an opportunity. He didn't need us, did He? God said, this is what I'm going to do. And when Jesus Christ spills His blood... For that purpose, and we just say, well, that's cool, but I'm worried about number one. He said, I've given you a task to go and tell the world. Are we taking him up on that task? Are we not letting people miss the grace of God? You don't have to. Our class talked this morning. You don't have to come up with some, you know, they said, you know, I have a hard time of like grasping Different verses out of the Bible when I'm talking to somebody. Ron has mentioned this many times too. You've got to know your own testimony. Do you know what Jesus Christ has done for you? That's what you've got to do. Say, this is who I used to be, but through Jesus Christ, this is who I am now. I can't, I can't remember every verse and stuff. I can bring you to somebody if you have questions I don't know. I don't have all the answers. You don't have to be a miracle worker. All you have to do is care about Jesus Christ and care about the people that Jesus Christ cared about. He said, don't let them miss grace, God's grace. We care that much. We have to have our antennas up. We have to be holy and set apart, ready so that when we step out these doors, we say, okay, God, I'm ready to do your work. I'm ready to look for you. I'm, uh, what do you want me to do now? So that when somebody is hurting, we are, and it's, so they're saying something that's not exactly what you know would t- tell us to talk to them, we don't walk by them and say, I gotta do what God wants me to do. I gotta do don't talk to me. I gotta do what God wants me to do. If we're in tune with who God wants, and He said, This is so the world can see. This is why I'm praying to you right now, God, so that they are one, and so that they're unified together, so that they understand that you and I are one, and so that they can be one with us, so that the world will know. It's that important to Jesus Christ. That he prayed right before he died. These types of things. We are invited to the throne of God, Zion. Jesus mediated. We're able to come before that throne. This new covenant gives us the better way, the only way to the heavenlies. And our God is an all-powerful God.
You know, that power is what protects us. He can't be less than that. He can't be your little buddy. He's more powerful. And we know Satan is an adversary. An evil one is trying to take us down. But our God is more powerful than him. We should worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. So when you go to the heavenly king, when you go to the throne of God and you kneel down, think about what these Old Testament people did and how frightened they were to go to a mountain where they smoked. And so we get to be where all the angels were. I mean, we're in that assembly when we go before God and pray. It's a different situation we have. There's all these because of the mediator we have in Jesus Christ who loved us that much. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank You. I thank You for Your Word. Lord, just help it to see deep in our, our minds and our hearts. Help us, Lord, to concentrate on being the holy saints of God that You ask us to be. Yes, Lord, we are Christians saved by grace. But You call us to be holy saints of yours to be set apart for your purpose use us now Lord help us to open our eyes to those that need you Lord to not pass by opportunities but actually to look for opportunities and pray for opportunities that you would put in front of us and then to recognize them we pray this in Jesus precious name Amen